makes a man Is it the power in his hands? Is it his quest for glory? Give it all you got to, to fight to the top It's Friday. Live it, live it. It's Friday. Oh, we can't leave out the best part. What makes a man? Is it the woman in his arms? Just because she has big titties? Or is it the way he fights every day? No, it's probably the titties. Unless, of course, you're E. Jean Carroll. Who needs that shit, right? Who needs that? Welcome to the show. It's Friday night. It is the 26th of uh, January. We're getting close. We're getting close to a... Uh, to February. I don't know what else to say. We're getting close to February. That's the one thing I can have at home that I can't have at the studio. Is a little bit of San Pellegrino. We are not brought to you by San Pellegrino, but I had a little bit here. That's where we go. Somebody just said Frank's looking a little pale. Well, it is the end of January. Don't worry. I've got that nice olive complexion. I will be back on top as far as the tan goes. Before you know it, I will be back on top of the tan world. And every shade darker I get, that is more humane and more compassionate I will be. As you all know, that is settled silence. Uh, science. Science. TM. Oh, man, oh, man. So how's everybody feeling tonight? I'm feeling good. So I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get back into the old studio, but I'm working on it every day, and I owe you guys some um, I owe you guys some updates. I do. And uh, a lot of boxes have been checked off, which uh, which leaves us with less and less questions to ask. But I have friends coming who are, you know, my, my buddy Derek, who's in California right now with my brother and our guitarist, Tom. He'll be back on Wednesday. Anthony's coming back on Sunday. But Ter Derek and Tom usually stay three days later because they go off to, to Vegas and, and gamble. But uh, he comes back on Wednesday. I don't know if I'll be able to get this solved before then, but that'll be one body in the room that can help me physically try to, you know, work this shit out with the cameras. But we'll be here instead, um, and that's one thing. Number two, a little bit of an update, and it's Friday, so I want to give myself a little bit of an added, you know, a plug, and that is um, I need the help of the audience to hit a very big 2024 organizational funding goal. It's been a long time since I did anything like this, and this time I'm. It's a. It's not a drive, a money bomb drive to to be able to upgrade the studio. As you can see, as far as discretionary funds to upgrade computers or microphones or whatever, um, I all I do is manage money so that it is I can reinvest and reinvest and reinvest. But what I can't buy once and have it just be done with it is manpower. That is editors, that is just, there's so much that needs to be done. 
And uh, that is why this year, first year in many, that I'm I'm putting special attention onto a progress bar that we have, and that is the subscribe star in particular. If you are not a sponsor of this show, if you already are, this is not for you. If you're not a sponsor of this show, a monthly sponsor of this show, and you've thought about it, and you watch the show all the time, and you really love it, it's indispensable to your week, it's something you love being around, I ask you, see if it's possible to become a sponsor for a little, as little as $5 a month on Subscribestar. We're trying to get that progress bar to about 80%. That is when I can, I can do a whole bunch of stuff on the way to 100%. But the biggest thing that we can do is we can make this show available on all platforms for two hours again. If that is something that really uh, appeals to you, I'm telling you, we, we need a couple hundred people. A couple hundred people. That's all it is which is less than 0.8% of the total audience, okay? It's it's so uh, it's so little and I know it's so close and it can happen so quick. And I don't uh, I don't like talking about this every night because uh money and all that stuff. I'm not a I'm not a very good salesman and I don't like it. I like getting down to the creative stuff. I like just doing the shows and the interviews and and taking your calls and we're going to take a lot of your calls tonight. But I just wanted to end the week with that. Over the weekend, consider becoming a sponsor. And you know what? You'll get, you'll already get paid uh, an instant dividend by being a part of the Sunday morning stream. We do the Sunday streams, the unlisted streams for all the sponsors. You'll be there right with us. And uh, and then on Monday, you'll be able to get into book club. And there's so many other perks on on Subscribestar. There's letter writing. There's Polaroids. There's there's postcards, there's so much other things. So you can do the minimum or you can do something special. It's up to you. But I would love to have you on. And with that, let's get on to the show. We're going to be talking about the mall tonight. That's right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about the mall. It is a legendary piece of Americana that is quickly going extinct. The shopping mall. We're going to take your calls. We're going to read your submissions to the official forum thread. Um, about the greatest forever memories that you have of the mall. And in the second half, we are going to welcome back our friend Jay Myers of Jay Myers Documentaries to talk about a story that he's covered in the past called The Rise of the Zombie Mall. Have you noticed it? That these are just malls that are big, once used, used to be bustling places of commerce and recreation and all that stuff that are eerily empty, but the, uh, the, the, they, they have like forever funding. And they don't go anywhere, even though townsmen and all that stuff want to see the, the space repurposed and done away with. I don't know. We're going to talk about the zombie mall because that might go a little bit hand in hand with the theories that people have about Mattress Firm. You ever hear about this? And I believe it, too, that there's something weird going on at Mattress Firm. There's no reason why there should be five mattress firms on the same city block with nobody in any of them. They can't all be showrooms. What the hell's going on there? It's like some kind of Wayfair shit. There you go. I just won over 25% of Joe Rogan's audience by doing that slurp. Now I'm rich. I don't need anything anymore. I'm set. <laughs> oh, God. Have you heard about the mattress firm thing? We can do that a little bit later on. Yes, we could. Uh, let me see. One, two, three. All right. So here's the thing I want to do in the opening. Just a couple of little tiny tidbits of news uh the first one up of course is if you haven't seen it that uh that woman 
E. Jean Carroll, the crazy girl with the, uh, the, the psychophysiognomy. Psychophysiognomy, my friends. Um, she has been rewarded by an, another crazy and complicit court in the United States in New York. $83 million now, I think the total is up to now. It's a defamation trial after the after the first sham. After the first sham, here's Donald Trump's response. Absolutely ridiculous. I fully disagree with both verdicts and will be appealing this whole Biden-directed witch hunt focused on me and the Republican Party. Our legal system is out of control and being used as a political weapon. They have taken away the First Amendment. This is not America. Oh, I know it's not America. And... Um, it should be easy for anybody to see right now, unless, of course, you like this. And there's plenty of people who love it. They love it. They they love it. They're getting sexual gratification from it. Okay? You know, the the the, the, the crackheads like uh, Brooklyn Dad out there, oh, he's been diddling his Skittle this entire week. He's been diddling his Skittle this, this entire week. So the wild-eyed nymphomaniac woman whose only solid memories of a supposed rape seems to have been that that seems to have been lifted directly out of a law and order episode uh, and whose whose um whose uh whose lawsuits were egged on by by uh what's his name the wife of the the one who knelt all over the uh the couches in the what's her name Kelly no not Kelly was it I forget their name. I don't even give a shit. This entire lawsuit was egged on by Trump haters and Democrat activists. They even changed the laws in New York to be able to push this through. But if you're going to if you're going to push this through without a modicum of evidence, then why didn't they pick an actress who didn't have psychophysiognomy or, you know, a cat named Vagina or a burning trail of sexually charged social media posts over the last few years that were all inadmissible in court? Okay. Every every everybody else is allowed to take character witnesses in. You can't produce any of this stuff against any of their uh, their people. But again, why her? Why her? If you're going to push this through with no evidence whatsoever, then why not anybody else? You couldn't have casted a little bit better than this woman who is just so. But then again, you know the price is paid, the rewards doled out. Who knows? Who knows? You know, I, I I just I don't know how it stands, but once again, it's just a message to all of us. A judge and jury in the United States ordered eighty-three million dollars to be paid to a lying deviant of the highest order, and um, and that's just a little bit of the news today. Does it affect you? In a way, it does absolutely, because God forbid if you ever have to go into that courtroom for something that has even a a skosh of of, of political flavor to it. You're screwed. It's incredible. Completely incredible. Vince McMahon, on the other hand, this is this is hilarious. Vince McMahon named black sex toys after black WWE wrestlers and white sex toys after Caucasians. I, I think that that is the most egalitarian thing that a person can do on top of it being hilarious. Am I alone on this one? Vince McMahon used black and white dildos to sexually assault a former WWE employee. Oh, oh. So what, what did he throw them at her? And name the sex toys after WWE wrestlers according to their race, the employee alleged in her explosive sex trafficking suit. 
she probably got hit with a Booker T right in the face. Hope she didn't get the Andre the Giant. Don't, I wouldn't want to get hit with the Andre the Giant dildo. Uh, Janelle Grant, 43, alleged that McMahon and other WWE executives took turns sexually assaulting her at the company's Stanford, Connecticut headquarters, which we pass by all the time over here, where she was employed during the lawsuit. So, so let's see. Notably, McMahon was most aggressive when using certain toys named after male WWE wrestlers and performers. So what is she saying? Was she locked in a room and raped? Is that what's going on here? Or was she messing around with two executives and doesn't like the way? I, I, I really would like to know. Grant's attorneys called this habit another incremental step in desensitizing Miss Grant to his fantasy and eventual demands that she perform acts on him and or sexual contact with others within the WWE. So it's a graphic 67 page suit. That, I mean, I, I'd have to read that one, but he's he's in, uh, you know, he's at the tail end of his life now. Obviously, he's not really making a lot of media appearances, but I think that the I think it's a very egalitarian thing. If you just take that one part out of all this and um, I think that's uh, that's actually kind of funny. But now if the rape is for real, if this is a real rape. I hate that we have to say that these days because my uh, my need my my knee-jerk reaction to most of these headlines is an eye roll and click away. Unfortunately, because uh, you can't eye roll and click away uh, w once you are served with papers like that. I don't know. Here's something else from last night. According to last night's, listen to this. I have a, um, I have a little something from you. From a lush from Jersey named Jojo from Jersey. Now I want you to just really, really think about it. Think about what we talked about last night. Here is the, here's the tweet. Hey, Texas, federal dollars account for one third of your state budget under the Americans rescue plan. Your state will receive $15.8 billion in direct state fiscal aid and 9.1 billion in local government aid from the federal government, but have fun at your secession party. Now, Jojo from Jers is a retard, okay? She's a retard. But she brings up something very, very important and that we all have to think about. Now, like I said last night, what is seem, what, you know, what will, what could be just trying to reestablish proper political positioning between states and the federal government, that proper political relationship will be seen as treason and secession to retards who want only things to become more centralized and for their party to rule autonomous, autonomously over all and for there to be a steamrolling of any kind of regional customs and regional um, uh, uh, you know, political will. That's, that's where they come from. But they're very, very correct. There is no secession if you are on the dole. There is no secession if you are on the methadone drip of government assistance, a federal government assistance, which is not federal money. It's money that's stolen from people who produce. The federal government doesn't produce anything except, you know, heroin in Afghanistan. But that money's not on the books. That's all that's all used to fund secret wars around the world. This is something very, 
very astute for the retard, even though she doesn't know why she's saying it. And she's coming from the point of, you can't leave. You can't leave if you tried. Even though every time there is a even a whiff of someone they don't like getting anywhere close to an office or a seat of power that they think is uh, is is detrimental to their their grip on things, they all threaten to secede. California could be the fifth biggest economy in the world. We're gonna leave. Yeah, that's all you. That's all you get from them constantly. But when it comes to this, they love they love putting the the knife in, twisting, and reminding you you can't leave. You can't leave. You're ours. And in many ways, uh, they're they're right. You can't leave. There's other people in the chat in the the comments saying same things. Even if Texas were to secede, it would face significant challenges, such as having to supplement key programs like Social Security and taking on its share of the national debt. No, no, it wouldn't have to take on its share of the national debt. It would have to take on its own debts. But you're right, Social Security, those uh, those hook in the mouth programs that everybody thinks was such a good idea but has been insolvent for years already it's slavery friends you have to get off you have to get off the uh the boat on this stuff if you're still on there here's another loser in the chat um or, or the comments they think they'll be rich because of their oil but reality texas will be blockaded in so they wouldn't be able to sell it even if they found buyers hmm interesting so once again it's once again this is this is the worst kind of relationship you could ever ask for, where people say, we have to keep the union together. I say, why? Why do you hold on to it? Because you saw some Mel Gibson movie? You saw, you watched The Patriot years ago, and it made you feel real warm and fuzzy inside? It's not The Patriot anymore. Because why? Because you, you had an F-16 fly over a football game that you went to, and it made you feel all types of emotions it's just not real anymore you got we have to start thinking about other shit and realize who we live around i brought it up last night the states need to get real about how enslaved they are before any meaningful sovereignty can be reestablished. and i brought this up because i would love to see it i would actually love to see it the left people like jojo from jurors um which constitutes half of our neighbors and also includes most mainstream Republican types, okay? You you bring they bring this up as a taunt. They bring this up as a taunt. You can't live without me. You can't live without master. Go ahead and try. It's the it's the craziest slave mentality you can ever think about. And they love throwing around civil war shit to everybody. And and in the same time, in the same time, they go and advocate for military deployments into Texas or anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. The, the, the Bundy Ranch thing, Bureau of Land Management. Anytime there's a ranch that wants federal or federal, uh, you know, goons to get off of their property, they want the tanks to roll in and they want to squash anybody, anybody that stands up against federal supremacy, because that must be a conservative movement. And they are have been trained. So many of us have been trained since the time we were in diapers to think that that is retrograde bullshit, which in turn exposes how they see the Constitution itself. Retrograde bullshit, but they have the nerve to call you and I traitors for one thing or another. You know, that's it. They look at this stuff, you know, they, they and, and, why, and why do they want to deploy the military into parts of Texas? Not to plug the gaps in the border to stop an invasion. They want to punish Americans that they hate. That's it. So 
you got to get real about what we're living around and what is possible and what needs to be figured out and given up before anything can get better. Because until then, this is the culture, this is the mindset that is going to have its hooks in all of our lives. And you could say, I, I disavow, I disavow it, I it's not doesn't have a hook in my life. Okay, don't pay your taxes. Don't pay your taxes then. I'd love to see you do that. So, um, just keep that in mind. It's just crazy to see people come to really, you know, keen observational points and conclusions for different reasons that you may have and for reasons of, like I said, yeah, for reasons of taunting on their end and for reasons of us on our end trying to assess what would actually be possible as far as secession goes, which in our case, you know, we wouldn't need secession if if everybody was actually able to BTFO the feds and uh, and and relegate them to their proper place. Wouldn't need it. So that's just a little bit of a recap from last night. OK, ladies and gentlemen, let's get started because we're talking about them all tonight. The lines are going to be open and I want to hear from you. It's Friday. Let's leave all the bullshit outside. The E. Jean Carroll's. Let's let them all just w- wallow in the gutter trash that they are and that they love being in it's just you and i and then later on jay myers we will be right back you tune in at your own enjoyment because it is the best <laughs> show since the beginning of time it has technological advancements and a more sophisticated approach but like every great awakening that has preceded it it has one iron rule logic is a friend and truth is essential you are now entering quite frankly now take off your pants and jacket. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Yeah, I know a lot of people are probably like, what's Matt doing tonight? I don't know. I have no clue. I don't know. Friday nights are just Monday night at this point. We'll see how, long, how much longer it puts it, we go on for. But, you know, um, all will be right when it was meant to be right. And who knows why I'm... Uh, 
I'm being made to uh, live through this. But it's not necessarily the worst thing. We haven't skipped a beat. It's just, it's nice to get out of the house from time to time. And that was on a normal work day, some of the only times that I can really get out of the house unless I have to run out and buy myself some steak or something. You know, or I go out into the driveway and do a little bit of a workout. But it was nice to leave and go to the studio and have a little bit of a... Uh, it, it almost feels like 2020. Remember that, you remember that week in 2020, April of 2020, that the uh, the cooling system, the CPU cooling system on the uh, on the computer at the, the studio had busted. And I had to uh, do the whole week at home. I had to do the whole week at home, and it, it felt like I was... On a, on a base station on the moon. Seriously, very weird. Didn't leave the street the entire week. Because everybody was already, everybody was locked down. There's nothing going on out there. There's whatever. It felt like I was on a base station on the moon. For those of you who believe that the moon is, is a, is a moon or when I, I don't know. Everybody believes. There's a new, there's a new uh, belief system that pops up every week. So I don't know whose toes I'm stepping on whenever I make a joke. All right, let's go. Let's go. Here's what I have up for you. On the... The number is going to be tonight, 914-200-0269. That is our line for talking about the damn... You know what? The mall. But before we do that, we had so much discussion about what was going on with Texas that we we really didn't take calls about anything else last night, especially when it came to uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania, uh, ghost towns. I wanted anybody to call in about ghost towns last night. Uh, whether you lived next to one, you grew up in one, you grew up in a town that was once bustling and is now dead. You ever was on a road trip and passed through a ghost town and had a strange experience or whatever the hell it was, I wanted ghost town stories. And I'm still going to leave the ghost town line open. The hotline is 914-369-1236. That is the ghost town hotline. The general calls for the night, as usual, is 914-200-0269. So we had so much discussion about Texas, we really didn't get anything else in except for the Devil's Comet. We talked a little bit about the Devil's Comet that's showing up around the time of the eclipse in April. But that's what I want to do. We have the general line open and, of course, the Ghost Town hotline, 914-369-1236. And I'm doing this primarily because it relates to our main topic this evening. Because a new kind of ghost town that used to be quintessentially Americana a place to shop, a place to eat, to fall in love, to watch a movie, to make a wish in a fountain, to bask in the holiday bustle. Even if you were already maxed out with your credit cards, you just wanted to go to the mall and you wanted to have a chocolate croissant and watch everybody else drive themselves crazy in Yankee Candle and in Macy's. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about life in and out of the shopping mall. If you grew up, in the 80s, the 90s, and especially the, the first 10 years of the of the uh, the new millennium, then this was probably a, a significant part of your life. If not, I'm not talking to you, but you can listen to everybody else and perhaps something will still, uh, still relate to you in some way. I put up this wonderful little thread on the website, on the forum. It's free. You should go there and check it out. 
Here's what I said. I recently went to a big, beautiful shopping mall in Connecticut. It was Stanford, Connecticut. Actually, right next to WWE, where all the uh, the black and Caucasian dildos had been thrown at each other like a dodgeball game not too long ago. I went to a big, beautiful shopping mall in Connecticut that I had not been to in ages. There was barely anyone there, though business lights were still on. The smell of the food court was still wafting through the air. I brought It brought back wonderful memories that I had grown up with in the 90s. But now I want to hear your greatest memories from the years. Everything. Whatever you got. Whatever you got from me. Christmas madness, the sights, the sounds, the smells. Whatever it leaves you with, that's what I want to know about. And we have some good submissions here that I'm going to throw up. And uh, and yeah, so let's get this one kicked off. I had this. Ah, the 80s. This, is, this one is from Anner. Ah, the 80s. Me and my best friend, we were always hanging out at the mall, seeing and being seen. One day, I bought a bottle of Mr. Bubble, and we went to sit down at the indoor mall fountain. Oh, I see where this is going. That's fantastic. I casually laid down the brown paper bag the bottle was in, opened the cap, and let it slowly pour out into the water. While the two of us pretended to just be chatting, we got up and left, walked all the way to the other side and casually back, to come upon the scene of a bunch of people and mall cops gathered around a horribly foamy fountain. I was so proud. That is an incredible story. You know, I never in my life ever looked at a fountain and said, I want to put some bubble bath in that. <laughs> that's that's great. I love that. So you see the Stanford Mall, they have this, uh, this one fountain. When you walk in, there's a little tiny fountain, circle of fountains, and one big one in the center. And every once in a while, it used to shoot all the way up to like the third floor. And I don't know if it does that anymore because I told I told Aurora, now watch that fountain. I think it still shoots all the way up. And we didn't see it happen. So maybe it's just like a, for when it's like high business hours, it might still get, get busy over there on the weekends. You know, we were there at 1030 on a Thursday morning and, you know, I, I can't imagine that's going to be their high traffic times. But still, the Galleria in White Plains, that just closed down. I think the Westchester Mall is still open, uh, but I don't know what's in it. And I've been I've been coming upon a lot of these these dead mall. Abandoned mall videos. In fact, tonight I have some after hours programming lined up for tonight. Here's what we got going on. If you did not see this, on on Sunday night, I played a documentary that was actually submitted by somebody in the audience, and it was so great. It's a little bit over an hour long. Let me see. It's uh, No, actually, no, it's about an hour long. It's called Mall City. It's a documentary from 1983. It's an NYU, uh, NYU film, okay? And it is just VHS documentary film interviewing people at a at a uh, at a mall either in Long Island or Jersey or something like that it's called Mall City about mall culture the kids that were showing up it is incredible you have got to watch this after the show tonight it's going to be one of the first videos we play it's about an hour long it's just incredible to watch the mix of people to watch the interviews that were conducted um the mindset of high schoolers you know the, the high schoolers seem like they're all 30 years old it's crazy the, the the middle schoolers seem like they're high schoolers. They they they're you know sharp as a tack, quick witted, nothing distracting them. All the guys just they're just like yeah we're looking for girls, girls are looking for guys, 
Everybody and and the old timers there that are there, it's just incredible. I think you're really going to like that. Uh, but there is also a series that a lot of you guys and gals have uh, sent my way, and I know about it. It was the, the Dead Mall series, and um, I forgot the guy's name, but it's in it's in all the credits here. The Dead Mall series is crazy; it really is, because the Dead Malls and the hollowed out malls they have become they have become one of those pivotal pieces of imagery from the liminal spaces genre you know just those nostalgic parts of our childhood that are in some ways or many ways they are just a little bit off now because there's no real there's no real familiar sense of liveliness around it that that uh it, it, it the setting is there the scenery is there but that lively familiar human spark of life is gone and it, it brings a spookiness to the whole thing. So I understand why this genre of nostalgia has taken such a real dark turn. <laughs> I understand. Because it's not like, you know, okay, well, look at our pants. Look at this old photograph of us over here from 1995. Look at those pants. What the hell were we wearing? These damn Jinko jeans. Why the hell were they so baggy? We looked like idiots. That's something you can get over. You know? But... You 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 never thought that we would be dissuaded from being out. And the internet, I hate to blame everything on the internet, but this is a big part of the reason why the mall is gone. There's no reason for people to leave the house to go out, to put on some jeans, to get out of the pajamas for a little bit, to go out and to actually be in a mall. You know, everything, so much recreation. A lot of it is digital with video games and everything. And I love video games. I save it for very specific times a day on very specific conditions. But uh, it, what could you attribute to the death of the mall other than the Internet, e-commerce, um, and, and, of course, a general sense of becoming more and more antisocial? What, that's a question for you. What would you contribute to the death of the mall? Is it anything other than the obvious? So call in 914 0269, that was a great, great memory right there about the bubble bath. The bubble bath in the fountain. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Oh, it's from Linda Love. But we'll do that right after we talk to our friend Ray. What's going on, Ray? Hey, how are you, Frank? I'm doing all right. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Oh, I just love your show, and I love your book club. Um, I joined as a subscriber the first or first of January last year for the book club, and read all those books and love this book we're in now. Now, now anyway, it, it, well, no, Ray, isn't it crazy? Because if you read all throughout 2023, then you know that even the books like Shoeless Joe, it ended up becoming so relevant to where we are right now, or at least holding up the mirror to society in one way or another. I just picked Lucifer's Hammer. Because it seemed like it would be a really exciting, classic disaster film to read at the beginning of what is going to be a tumultuous year here uh, in, in our timeline. And then all of a sudden last night, I guess brought to my attention that in April we have the Devil's Comet that is going to be <laughs> flying across the sky. How amazing was that? Yeah, I didn't even know about that. Oh, okay. Well, well but, uh, <laughs> I've really never read a book quite like this one, and I kind of at first wasn't it wasn't getting into it very quickly 
but I like it. I'm I'm hooked in it right now. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I'm happy. So what's anyway, else in your mind? As far as malls, so I'm I was born in the '60s, and I remember the Main Street stores and uh, before a mall was opened. So when I was about 12 or 13, a mall was built, and and two of the big stores downtown, the Sears and the J.C. Penney's, closed up, and they became the anchor stores in the mall. This mall had three anchor stores and probably a few other small stores like shoe stores and things closed up downtown and moved out there. But most of it was other new stores that we just didn't have. And it was a hopping place, like three wings with like probably 10 small stores on each side of each wing before you get to a anchor store. There was movie theater, like a two screen movie theater at the end. It was like the hopping place. And, you know, they'd have Santa Claus, they'd have, you know, the Easter Bunny, all these things, special events, photos. I was just hopping. It, and it, here's what, Oh, sorry. Go okay, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, here's one reason I think it started to decline is um, you kind of had to look good and dress up when you went to the mall. It's kind of a social thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the Walmarts came in and basically it was like, everything that you could do in a mall, but you didn't even have to dress up and um, you just go there. It's all under one roof and it's just different aisles that separates it and it, and things were cheaper in there too. So I think like these Walmarts and other places like that, discount stores probably were the first mall killers before internet came. Mm. But that's my theory. Now we have that same mall I told you about. It's a zombie mall. There's almost nothing in it. There's like, a a store of pallets of stuff like um you know too much vinyl flooring selling real cheap mattresses there's a um u-haul where there's like climate controlled storage units was in another like one of the big anchor stores and this place is yeah i've seen a video of somebody that broke into it and like filmed it and it looks like zombie town very much you know what you, you bring this up... is in central illinois in central are you still there Okay, okay, so that, that that's good just to know geographically. Let's see if anybody else calls in with that. Ray, thank you for the call. Yeah. Okay, sure. so so on what Ray just said, great point about the um, the Walmarts, the Targets, the Targets. Um, I'm thinking about that, and that makes a lot of sense in itself. One gigantic store that has... The accumulation of what you would have for, for, I don't know, at least a dozen different smaller department stores. I can see that, no doubt about it. As far as being able to, as far as people dressing a certain way, you know, you go to the mall and you, you have to dress a certain way in Walmart. What, what, what is that? I, I don't see how just because it's a Walmart, people feel like, oh, well, we don't have to get dressed today. We could show up in our diapers and our uh, and our 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 plaid, our plaid or plush pajama pants and a uh, a, a hoodie that is eighteen times too large, you know, uh, with our greasy hair up in a pile and and, and you know, I, I don't I don't see I, that that is a a sign of something else, you know. If you dropped a Walmart into the middle of you know, Westchester, New York in 1967, people, you know, my grandparents aren't going to say, you know what? We don't have to wear pants today. We're going to Walmart. 
there's something else that happens there with people not taking pride in the way that they look when they're outside. All right, now I, I'm a fan of sweatpants and all that, but and I but and still I I look at I see the difference, and I often ask the question, "What the hell?" Okay, so that is something totally different. I don't blame people not caring about their appearance on the fact that it's just a Walmart. Uh, what the hell would be the difference between that and the mall? But good, good, um, good point about the WalMarts and the Targets and those kind of giant discount stores uh, being another element that contributes to what we have right now in the traditional shopping mall. All right, let's take another call. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Who's this? Chris. Oh, hey, kill that, kill that in the background. Already got it. There you go. Thank you, Chris. Welcome to the show. Ah, oh, thank you. Hello, Chris. Yeah. Chris? I'll kind of, kind of move out to a place where I get section. Yes, get to the top of the mountain, please. Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, go ahead, I'm Chris. Outside. Oh, well, you know, I used to work at the Galleria back it, in 1980. In White Plains? Yeah. Okay, w w which department? I was I was in the shoe department. I sold sneakers. Foot Locker? No. Herman's World of Sporting Goods. Mm. It's an old company that used to exist. I don't think it does anymore. I'm but, looking for uh, it. I'm looking for it right now. Keep going. Are you there? Yeah, speaking. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I, I went to SUNY Purchase, and uh, I used to take the number 11 thing down to White Plains. We passed through Manhattanville College, mm -hmm. which is funny because I heard Frank mention it. I don't know if he went there or he, or he just had a radio show. Oh, so you want to talk to Frank? Oh, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. All right, hold on. Let me get but him. Hold, hold, hold on. Hold on. Let me get him. Hello, Chris. You there? Hey, Frank. How you doing? I'm doing well. Welcome to the show, my friend. So I hear that you worked at the Galleria in the 80s. And you were at Herman's World of Sporting Goods. I'm looking at it right here. It was founded in 1916. It went defunct in 1996. What, what did you do there? What's your favorite uh, memory of working at Herman's? Well, I sold, I sold uh, running shoes. Okay. I was, you know, I was 20 years old. I was training for a marathon. And I got a job at Herman's World of Sporting Goods. Selling shoes to people who were jogging, and, and and I loved it. What did you? What would you say? Because when I think about you selling shoes in Herman's, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about Al Bundy, uh, in the mall selling shoes to women and insulting them and all that stuff. But you know, as a shoe salesman in the 1980s, what could you say about the clientele, about the mall culture, anything like that? Go ahead. Well, I mean, the mall culture is obviously separate. 
you know, because when someone's got their shoe off in front of you, mm-hmm. they're going to have a much different attitude, as, you know, than if they're strutting around the mall. So I, I would say that most of the people who came in were very gracious and very polite. What was? Um, do, do you remember? Uh, I can't recall having any issues with anyone. Uh, what about smelly feet? Never a problem. Never, never. You think oh, so? See that—that's one thing that I think might be different if you were selling shoes today. I think that in the 1980s, most people would say, "I'm buying shoes today. I'm going to be washing my feet." Well, Frank, this is a very affluent area. Oh, I know. Well, it used to be. Yeah. It used to be. It's very... well, yeah. I, I don't know how you guys are doing now, but you know, I mean, we used to make fun of Porchester. We called it Pochester. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. I know. It was. We we listen. We we still are the uh, the redheaded stepchild of of this uh, this little collection of towns and villages over here. But still, um, that's really interesting. Well, thank you for the call. Chris. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of a lot of our culture off campus was in Porchester, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, off the, off the, uh, you know, off the Purchase University. Well, you, you know, know so, I mean, you Porchester may... was a place we gravitated to because there was a lot of alternative stuff there. You know, coffee shops and. Well, we're still. Tr- what was your favorite place to go in Porchester? You know, I I don't have any vivid memories of that. But okay. I, you know, I can talk to you talk to you about Rye Plot, um, Playland. Oh yes. I went there after my. Uh, I think it was my first communion. Well, my, my my parents were separated, but my father came into town. We went went through the first communion, mm-hmm. and we took a trip from oh. Long Island to uh, to Playland. Playland. Well, well, Chris, that's a and, that's a very long trip, my friend. But I I really appreciate. Well, it was a magical well, day. You yeah, know? it was a magic. And you gotta go. You gotta go check out all the old footage of that if you want to relive uh, the past too. Thank you for the call, Chris. I have to move on to other ones. That's a um. Well, he was a shoe salesman, and everybody was very had clean feet. So we're talking about the favorite uh, the mall stories. Chris's is that everybody that went to go get fitted for a shoe had a very well pedicured foot. And I'm sure he was happy for that. All right, let's go back to the thread one more time because the calls are flowing in. I don't want to lose on this. Linda Love says, hi, Frank. Americo, that's her man, says he used to meet all the girls there when he wasn't old enough to drive. So I guess it was a way to get on a date without the parents knowing. Well, there you have it. Meet me at the mall. Sounds good to me. Um, Let's take another call. 253, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello, Frank. This is Kathleen from Washington State. How are you? Hello, Kathleen. Welcome back. Thank you. I just caught you guys. I was ending my day, popped in, and heard you talking about malls. Don't know what the whole precedence is, but you took me back in time. It was. It's all about your favorite mall memories, and you know what? what oh. You know it, it, whether it be your. Your favorite memory of shenanigans you were up to, or the most comforting thing, or what anything that that stands out, or if it was just a little bit of a reflection of a good time in your life. Go ahead, Frank. So I was born in '69, so the mall was a big deal. It was called the Bernard Mall in Beaverton, Oregon. It was an old um, airport strip that they turned into a mall. They built like a big mall. <clears throat> we had a roller rink with shag carpet 
all the way around it. So when we would fall on it, we wouldn't get a concussion. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's enough. And then the mall, we had the Emporium. We had Hush Puppy shoes, Payless shoes, the jean machine where you would get your San Francisco riding gear and your painter pants. And then we would have Tasty Freeze with the corn dogs and the orange drink, you know? Yep. Are you tracking with me? Oh, I'm listening. Hey, it's going to be a little bit different from what I had in New York, so I'm just trying to learn. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was I, – I worked from the time I was like 12 years old, not like most kids nowadays. But – so I worked also worked at Mr. and Ms. Hair Design as a receptionist and ran a retail area selling Paul Mitchell hair products. And it was so much fun. I think back then we had just, we need to get back to interaction and community. Like we would have, malls were an event. Like there was concerts. Well, 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 hold on, hold on, Kathleen. Let me ask you this so you can answer this before we move on to another caller. One of the one of the yeah. questions I had asked was, what do you attribute to the death of the mall? Uh, aside from, uh, especially if oh, there, especially if there's you. something other than the obvious, which is people shopping at home on okay. the internet. You know, what 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 do you think aside from the obvious? Okay, the obvious is to me because I've gone through working for so many private um, family companies growing up. That's how we learned and we supported one another's businesses where people lost out and where it went away was when the small businesses were, they sold out to large businesses Mm -hmm. and the capital moved to a bigger conglomerate to where we're not going to have a say over anything that goes on financially within our communities. So we need to get back to the small businesses uh, surviving and thriving. That's where we lost out because I remember working for so many businesses and I'm not kidding. I worked in the um, hair and beauty industry uh, when we used to call on salons and we had territories and we made contracts with, you know, Companies like OPI, Paul Mitchell, Matrix, and we had certain territories, and then Ulta bought it all up. And I remember being recruited for, or try, they tried to buy me out, but I wasn't, I wasn't bought out. Mm. But a lot of people sold out. And, so you see, I think that that's where we lost out. So you see, okay. Well, thank you for the call, Kathleen. This is wonderful. I hope you have a great night. You do the same. God bless you. Thank you. There, now, there, now, there's Kathleen coming from a standpoint of you have to take into consideration that there is a lot of merging and buying up of smaller companies by bigger companies that in turn are gobbling up all the rights, the distribution rights to certain brands, and then they want to create, you know, I, I guess just, but, you know, I, I can see that. But there's always going to be new companies. There's always going to be inspiration for new product lines yes those can get bought out as well but still if there is foot traffic the real question is foot traffic what kathleen brings up is worthy of discussion from an economic standpoint and everything else as far as what is provided for people in a mall but what killed the foot traffic what killed the 
the willingness to get up and get out, have a pair of jeans on, and uh, and 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 just walking around. Again, is there something outside of the obvious? Outside of because we had credit cards back in the '90s, had credit cards in the early 2000s, and then credit cards were really starting to pop up in the '80s. So it wasn't about plastic. Is it really just about digital? Could it be? Did digital really make us that antisocial? When was the last time you saw a big brown bag? Does Macy's even do big brown bags anymore? Help me. Hello, Jules. You there? Hey, Frank. Yep, I'm here. How are you? Oh, I'm 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 doing well. It's great to hear from you again. How's everything? Oh, you already at, you already said that. So, what's in your mind? Well, well, listen. I wanted to tell everybody a mall story, and it'll I'll go really quick. Oh, you go you, ahead. You remember? You remember um, how in the mall they used to have like Zales and, you know, they had the jewelry stores. Yeah. And I was living with a guy and we bought a, a wedding ring set on my credit because his credit was poor. And I said, if this bill ever goes late, you have to let me pay for it. Well, I learned that he let one of the call, one of the bills go late. And so without him even knowing it, I slipped the rings back into my, my pocket. This was a couple of months later. And I was like, Hey, let's go to the mall. He's like, no, I don't feel like it. I'm like, no, no, we really have to go. So he has no idea what's going to happen. And we're just walking right in the mall. I'm like, Oh, go over here, go over here. And I walked back into the Zales store and I slapped the rings down. I said, we need to return these right now. And he about died. He was so mortified, but that's my mall story. That was so. So that was that was the end. It was that that missed payment was just all, everything you needed to know about where the relationship was going. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Um, That's great. It, 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 it was just you know listening to everybody else's story. I was like, oh, let me call with this because this is something that you you know you don't ever usually ever hear anybody recount a story like this. So I was like, oh, I'll jazz it up a little bit. <laughs> well, that, that that's exactly what I was looking for, Jules. I I wanted to hear everything, including because oh because like I said before, this was a place where life happened. So it wasn't just yeah. oh, you know the you know uh, the the holidays coming up. Let's go see what we can get for Secret Santa. It was more so about oh, let's just go to the mall and hang out. And there's people that were meeting. There's people that's getting together. They're breaking up. There's so many things breaking that were, you know fighting brawls. A Anything. mall a mall brawl. Yep. I want to know if somebody anything had anything a... could happen. Yeah, anything could happen at the mall. Wow, there you go. So Jules but laid she laid down the law of the land. She said, Nope, nope, no. Nope. I did. That's I good. Can't, I can't believe, you know, even to think about it nowadays, I'd be like, Oh, well, uh, mm, uh so I was brave, really brave back then. Well, I love this call. Thank you so much, Jules. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Frank. See bye bye now. Bye bye. Jules has been watching for a long, long time, like many of you. That's great. Have you been in a brawl at the mall? Okay. What about a brawl at the mall? Good old-fashioned brawl. Let's see. No, uh, Lauren just texted me. 9-11, she said. She said, I think that after 9-11, people being in closed uh, places, a lot of people started to, de that started to deter people. It did for a while. Especially up at front, I know that they did for a while. Christmas shopping in December of 2001 was very uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. People were like, there's a bomb. 
somebody saw a bomb or a suspicious package in the parking lot, the gallery in the White Plains. Nobody go to nobody go to White Plains. That was a very uncomfortable December 2021. I mean, I mean, 21, not 2001. That was a weird December, no doubt about it. Um, I don't know if if that is much more the case, 9-11, but there is other things that have compounded the social anxiety. There's always the anxiety of now, uh, you know, shooting mass death events, shootings, one thing or another. So there's definitely things that have compounded that. I don't know because I don't believe that the 9-11 fears are very fresh in people's minds, but it has been complemented since then. And uh, Lauren just said that uh, two friends of ours got engaged at the Stanford Mall that I did not know about. So there you have it. There you go. All right, we got a, we got time for a couple more calls until we go to our intermission break and then off to quitefrankly.tv. Let's keep going. Ladies and gentlemen, the calls have been going nuts. There's so many coming in right now. I can talk for three hours. Please follow us over to quitefrankly.tv. Let's keep this going. It's a good way to spend a Friday night. It's two clicks, and um, and please, let's do it together. Uh, 775, you're on the air. Go ahead. You got a mall story? Uh, yeah, Frank. Uh, my name's Ed. I'm a first-time caller, but I've been a long-time listener. It's great I'm to have you on, Ed. Thanks for thanks for giving me an invite. All right. And I uh, hide all the Franklies out there. I hope you guys got some wild stories about the mall because I just turned 68, but I lived in Southern California uh, for the first 21 years, and uh, throughout most of the late 60s, all of the 70s, and most of the 80s, you could get excellent LSD down <laughs> in my neighborhood. And man. Me and all my friends used to like to climb on our stingrays, ride down to the mall, and we'd fry our brains out quite often. Quite often, we'd get mom to drop us off at the movies, and we'd, you know, ditch ditch the movies and spend all day uh, people watching. And, uh, high on LSD. Man, not just high on LSD. I mean, heck, we like smoking, you know, black Afghani, Nepalese. We like smoking hash. We like you know, but anything that involved around getting high and going to hang out at the mall. And it wasn't just that. I mean, like the way they built stuff in Southern California, if you were a kid uh, between, you know, 13 and uh, 17, ain't quite had your license or a car yet, man, you could do anything with a stingray. And we all had stingrays. I mean, you know, uh, and it was just a fun thing to do. I mean, we, we made it uh, a kind of a lifestyle for quite a while. Because we didn't have much else to do, um, and uh, we never got in trouble. No one ever got hurt. Well, do you and, know? Do you know Ed? After all those great years of, you know, getting high, going to the mall with the with your friends, going to the theater, people watching, all that stuff. Do, do you remember around what time might have been the last time that the guys got together and you had that? You just kind of moved on from that, or you turned a new page. When did that start? No, uh, as soon as they, as soon as we started getting girlfriends, you know, as soon as we got around, you know, as soon as we started getting laid, uh, you know, it kind of broke up the man clubs, and uh, you know, the the bromances died, and girls took over everything. Oh, it sucks. And then you had it? to have a car, and the only way to get a car, unless your daddy was rich, was to get a job, and uh, that changed everything. 
But if you really want to know what I think happened in the psyche of the people, yeah. because, man, when I run down to my some of my favorite shows on the planet are widespread panic, and people on the planet don't have any problem being friendly or being kind or considerate to one another down there. But when you look and see how methamphetamine and cocaine have scarred the psyche of people in the streets, you just, you know, it's it, it's a scary. It, it, America has turned into a scary entity awfully quick. So and I, I mean, I was not afraid of this. I grew, grew up in the streets of Southern Cal, but I'm glad I'm not camped out in a tent down there in the Inland Empire right now. So Ed, you are you're coming from from a a recreational drug user of the past who had a lot of yeah. fun, fun times. You're coming from this. Hey, from I stand- still smoke plenty of cannabis now frank i know but but what i'm saying hold on hold on but but, but, let me just get this out here but what i'm saying is you so you're coming from the perspective that you can see a change in society from a social standpoint just based on the types of drugs that are now preferred absolutely absolutely i mean you know it was and it's a sad thing to see but I mean, you know, tweaking on methamphetamine or you know, paranoid to the to the nines just don't make you sociable down in public, and all those drugs turn you inward. And you know, all the kids that I knew, I mean, heck, we were between. Well, I, I think I was, uh, you know, I had a friend who had two sets of older brothers, so the older brothers would pass it down. And heck, we tried to tell our teachers what they we were doing. They didn't believe us. They thought we were making it up. And, uh, you know, I, as I look back now, you know, I wish I would have, you know, I wish I would have applied myself better at school because it turned out I was a lot smarter than I gave myself credit for being. And it wasn't until I, I, you know, put those substances down in my own existence that my life began to blossom again. But, I mean, I had to, you know, I went through the wrestling, you know, and I, I, got, I blame it all on a good woman. I was married for 42 years. She just passed away three years ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear and that. And at, at 60, well, she worked with dis- disabled kids her, her whole life, and, and I ended up taking care of her in a wheelchair the last seven years of her life. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, I got the 42 she gave me was just unbelievable. But she had to wrestle with me. You know, first it was I wasn't a very good drinker and I wasn't very friendly when I drank. And I didn't want to admit that. You know, I come from a long line of wild Irish Catholic people like you. I, I My first four years of life were at, a, you know, Our Lady of Perpetual Health. And I used to get beat regularly by a nun named Doretta. And I eventually got tossed for punching a nun named Sister Marie Pauline. Wow. But well don't 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 what that's nothing, Frank. Forty years later I took two and a half million dollars from the Archdiocese of San Diego because priests ain't what we thought they were either. Really? Oh Ed, we 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 this can't be the last time I hear from you. Frank, I've, I've been, you're the first time I ever called anybody for, this, it, in regard to any kind. You know, Ed, I Ed I, I've got, I've got 25,000 questions for you. And okay. uh, I mean, this can't be the last time we hear from you. No, Frank, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening every night, you know, I'll look for an opportunity to jump at you again. Okay. You know, I've been dying, I've been dying to tap in behind King some night. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I'm all, I'm a shut in. I'm all the way out here in the middle of nowhere in Nevada. You'd, you'd love where I'm at, Frank. You should see my sun, my sunrises and sunsets. But I mean, Sacramento and Oakland are starting to bleed in here pretty quickly. You know, Sac's only about 600 miles to the west, and 
we're starting to see a lot of, you know, license plates from other states. And, uh, you know, the in my Walmart, I look around today and I'm, I don't recognize the complexion of anybody anymore. And I mean, this was really a predominantly white Mormon cow town. When I hitchhiked into town in 1980 with nothing but a ponytail and a bad coke habit, uh, <laughs> it was like going from, you know, from Laguna Beach to Mayberry. I you can... know, I mean, I've been hanging out on the beach with the eternal brotherhood of love, you know, listening to Grateful Dead, watching the sun go up and down, you know, body surfing and then to, to land in Cowtown. And I followed a short little fat girl that worked with Cripple Kid. So she stole my dang heart. She stole your heart. I, I see. I want to know more about I want. And this is what we have to talk about. Um, first of all, I love the, I, the the just the standpoint of you being in one place for long enough or anybody being in one place for long enough to be able to uh, witness a, a marked change and be able to know exactly why it happened. And the other thing there, too, is I want to know about your life in the year before you met your wife and how things progressed over those 40 years and then that's what i want to know i want to know your story ed so please what you do is email me so we don't hey frank i don't do I, I don't have a uh, believe it or not i got a little ipad that i got from her when she died all of my apple uh computers all loaded up and died on me finally probably too many pictures and film and i'm working off a, a, an a, 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 a apple iphone right now i'm talking to you on an iphone and i'm looking at you on a on a little ipad Okay. With the with the volume down. <laughs> so and uh, so, then is there any way? You, but you don't have an email address. Uh, I, I could develop one, Frank. I could develop. I could develop for you. I'm I'll gonna I'm one. gonna make an entire email system for, for you. I'll, I'll develop. I'll develop one. And uh, I gotta tell you, Frank, you're gonna you, you kind of hit a gold mine with me because I've been a federal whistleblower twice. Not, not only Ed, Ed, I think we might have to actually fly you out to New York to tell your story in studio. I think that's what we might have to do. Well, I'm not doing nothing, Frank, but you got to know, um, I've had, uh, let's see, nine vertebrae used in my lower back. I've had three hips replaced. I've had two knees replaced, and I just had four uh, fused in my neck. They call it a posterior laminectomy. And the odds of walking after you get one of those is only about 20%. It's the same operation that killed my wife. Right after she passed, the doctor told me I had to have it. So and I'm dancing, Frank. You're dancing and now. And I'm collecting her Social Security. <laughs> my, oh, my. It's, listen, here's what you got to do. Find a way to, to develop yourself an email account. Uh, the good thing um, is, the good thing is, I know that you're watching every night, so we're not going to lose yeah. touch. And, um, well, you're and, like, you're like the only family I got. I don't go out much. I'm kind of a disabled shut in. You know, I mean, the most out I get is, you know, uh, cruising bitch shoot and YouTube every day for six and 12 hours a day. And then uh, the, my big relief at night is when you come on. <laughs> well, you sound uh, you, you sound you sound very jovial. You sound jolly. You, you know, despite I'm wild. despite everything, I'm you wild in the streets. I, you know, I mean, I don't got no kids. My kids ain't. You know, I didn't I didn't wreck any kids, so I don't have. You know, they're not living here with me. You know, wondering why I didn't buy them a Porsche and send them to Stanford. And uh, you know, I. Today, I feel so sorry for the kids today, Frank. I mean, they got ripped off. But well, I feel kind of like it was my fault, like it was the kids' my fault that blew everything up, that required all the extra cameras and cops and security. And, you know, I mean, 
we we kind of ran wild in the streets. I I look back today and uh. You know, I was lucky. I'm lucky to be here and be able to tell you this. So well, I, I I feel very lucky to get this call tonight. And listen, stay in touch however you can, and we'll, we'll I'll make sure somehow we will link up. and And I'd love to have you call in again. Uh, and thank you for calling well, tonight. Last time I was close to New York, I was at Mountain Jam Ten, and it was Warren Haynes's birthday. And man, would I like to do that again? <laughs> well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. you never know what happens in the future. But thanks for calling tonight, hey, Ed. Frank, I want to hear more of your percussion too. Oh, you, oh, you will. I, I have so much. I have so much I want to do, and uh, right, I just need a little right, bit of time right, to do it. In. And sorry to all the people whose time I sucked up tonight. Love Don't. you all. Good night. Take care. There you go. There's Ed. I think we just. Uh, that was the birth of a new character. Right there. Boy, oh boy. LSD at the mall. It very interesting. The passing away of childhood into manhood, meeting all the women, the women becoming that grounding agent, all the bromances starting to die away, or at least they evolve. You can't lose your bros. You can't lose your bros. You can't do that. You can't do it. Vagina. Anyway. Okay, here's what's going to happen. This is a wonderful call-in show. It's the first really classic big one of the year. I can feel it. But I would like to invite you over to uh, pill.net, quite frankly.tv. We're going to continue this for another hour. In fact, actually, actually, we have a uh, we have a call with Jay Myers coming up in a couple of minutes. We're going to do a very, very quick uh, segment on the zombie mall, and then we'll have more time with you guys, maybe about 15, 20 minutes at the end, for more of your calls. And just remember, ladies and gentlemen, subscribestar.com forward slash quite frankly. The link is in the description below. It's posted on quite frankly.tv's sponsor us section. Become a monthly subscriber if you never had before. Doesn't take much, and um, it will, a little goes a very, very long way to uh, opening up new doors of production over here on the show, behind the scenes, the places where you really can't see too much. But let me tell you, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I need a little help. So I'm uh, I'm trying to marshal all my, all my supporters out there to get to that next level. Thank you, guys and gals. And we will be back right after this. Don't go nowhere. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pill.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode, get signed up, it's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv, just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission.
now entering quite frankly 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 we all support quite frankly not quite quite frankly go brandon quite frankly in roma italia quite frankly you're going on frank's show tonight i want to get a coke can i get a coke so everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? gentlemen okay sounds good so what we're gonna do right now we're bringing on a special guest right now here on the show on the other line of the phone is our good friend and the the main the brains behind the operation at jay myers documentaries that's right it is jay myers jay how you feeling feeling Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been about four months or so since you've been on. We talked about Project Bluebeam the last time you were on with us. I'm so happy to have you back. And in a special correspondence section where we're not going to talk too long, but it's going to be just enough to get a little bit of what you have found on a very interesting topic on a night that we're talking about the Great American Shopping Mall. Um, it's Rise and Fall. You got a little bit of work that you've done on this. It's called uh, the Zombie Mall. What the? Give us a little bit of background on what we're talking about with zombie malls. Yeah, uh, it's great to be back with you. Um, a zombie mall. I think most people know what a zombie mall is, or they're at least familiar with one of them. It's um, a mall that's not frequently trafficked anymore. They're usually decaying. Um, they were at one point. They were probably very busy. And now they're in a state of decline. Um, so they call them zombies because they really should be repurposed, but they're not. So if you go in there, it looks almost like a vacant building. It's like spooky, eerie. Um, a lot of the shops don't have tenants anymore, but they're being nonetheless kept alive artificially by real estate investment groups. Um, so, the, so, wait, 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 so it's not, it's not even open to the public. Yes, it is. It is open to the public. Yes. Okay. Uh, you can, you can go in these malls. So, um, an investment company will find a mall that's not doing well. They will buy it for much, much cheaper than it would have been 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. The first thing they do is they bring in their lawyers and they appeal the real estate taxes on the property with the city. They can get those reduced sometimes as much as half a million dollars a year. So you go from 600000 to $100,000. That's the first thing they do. Second thing they do is they strip all the maintenance down to the bare necessities and sometimes not even that. So we're talking sinkholes, potholes, leaks, 
Sometimes roof collapses, they've got pest control issues, um, and yet they still they still make a profit off of these properties. In fact, June of 2023, um, one of the companies that bought uh, one of these malls, they buy a lot of these malls all over the country, they made they posted a, pro a profit of $68 million that they make by doing this. Now, that's nowhere near as profitable as malls used to be, but remember, they buy these properties from companies that are in trouble. So they buy them much, much cheaper than they would have been. And then they get those uh, taxes reduced. But really these zombie malls are a drain on the city. So cities hate them because that's a big part of usually valuable real estate in a city that's essentially going wasted. Well, yeah. And it could be, right, sorry. No, yeah, I, I, and when you, but I'm just trying to picture this in my head. These are these are malls that you can still open the door, walk in, but they're in decrepit shape. Yes, and and, so and, and, this, and you can still it's still pro possible for for businesses to actually lease space. Yes, uh, because they do long term. Um, real estate does long term leases, so sometimes when these investment companies come in and buy the mall, they're also buying out those leases. So another thing that they will do is they have huge parking lots that they buy, not only the building, but they buy them all, they buy the huge parking lot. They subdivide that out and start selling parts of that. Mm. So that almost pays for the purchase price. And then they have restaurants that they don't own the restaurant, but they own the land that's under it. You see what I mean? So the restaurants keep, keep paying rent to them. Now the mall's gone down, but casual dining is still doing very well. So they still make money off of that. And they just, maintain the actual mall to the bare minimum. So what cities will actually do is they come in and just slap them with all of these um, citations. And they will say, you have until Thanksgiving day to fix this, or we're shutting down the mall on Black Friday. And that's the only way that they will actually deal sometimes with the issues. Um, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal about one such of these malls. And there was plumbing issues. All it was was trash had been built up, but because they don't do regular maintenance on it, plumbing was actually overflowing into the mall. And they had to be cited for that before they would even bother to clean it up. Wow. Now, we, we, but prior to you coming on, uh, we were talking about something a little bit more on the cultural end of things. And I know that you you consider these things as well. Um, because like you said, these, these malls, what you're describing right now is a kind of uh, it, it's just a system of being able to squat on land and reap the financial benefits of being an owner. Obviously, there's write offs. There's there's ways to just manipulate this so that a an inert dead property is otherwise still making tens of millions of dollars of profit a year. And you don't even have to deal with people or mostly 10 it, it, it that's just crazy but still like you said before they would have been making 10 times that amount it, during the 80s or the 90s when the mall was ruling the earth my question to you is aside from the rise of the internet and e-commerce and all that other stuff what do you attribute as a pretty significant factor to why from a social level people are just not willing to go out and walk through the malls and and be physically present for either shopping or carousing or whatever the hell it is. What, what what do you think was the major contributing factor aside from the internet? 
Yeah, you know, that's something that I considered when I was researching this. And I think that the, the mall decline is also a symptom of societal change. You know, one of the biggest things that struck me as I was listening to your previous segment was how many of the hallmarks of life actually take place at a mall? You know, um, a mall is one of the first places that teenagers are allowed to hang out unsupervised in a lot of cases, or it used to be. This is I'm talking about the mall culture that maybe you grew up with or, you know, a lot of people grew up with. You could hang out at school at the mall, you know, meet people from other schools. A lot of people's first jobs at the mall. A lot of people met their girlfriend at the mall. So it was sort of a place where people could go. Your mom would go to the mall. She'd go to Sears and you could go, you know, to the toy store, to the game store, just hang out and do whatever, you know, and there was sort of a underlying level of trust there. It's like, we're in this place. Things are going to be okay. Um, but I think as society's changed, people are less trustworthy of each other. Um, there's less social interaction. People would rather, um, stay at home as opposed to going out and doing things. And um, a lot of that I think has to do with uh, like people were saying before, there's, you know, so much has changed in our culture. One person was talking about the drugs that have changed. That certainly is true as well. And um, as that happens, it becomes less safe to go to the mall, mm. you know? And so people don't want to go. And then also, you know, if you've got the internet and everything else, but as the, as the mall sort of leave, so does um, a part of American culture, really, when you think about it. It really is Amer a part of American culture. You know, the first mall was opened in 1956, and it really sort of dawned a new age of um, a new phase of American culture and what, you know, how Americans shopped, how they spent their money and how they met each other. Um, and, I, and, and, I, and I have to imagine there, too, that one of the first callers brought up tonight that there is a you can't discount the the rise of uh, giant retail stores like Walmart and Target that really have so much of what multiple department stores inside of a mall would have. Uh, over here in uh, in my my neck of the woods, we had a a flea market, a flea market in my town that stayed open for generations. That just there was nobody showing up anymore. There's always new tenants every year. You can go and get yourself a little spot, the flea market, whatever it is. There were people that were there, jewelry stores, you know, knockoff cologne, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, you, Did they sell a bunch of stuff from China? Oh, yeah, China. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they had you know the camouflage. There was so much. There, you know, all all of the bootleg CDs. I think we've been to the same flea market actually. <laughs> I think most flea markets are the same. But the thing is yeah. that this was an this was indestructible. You want to talk about a local business? This was indestructible. So of course, but um, when I see that and a big mall like the Galleria that we have in White Plains, New York, go away. Um, I, I know it's like, wow, like, you know, what could actually have survived all this? And it's not much. And it has to be a change in society itself because it's not going to be a change in, in what people need. It's just where it's just a change in what people are willing to do to find what they need. And um, I, I'm sure that's what some people had to say when the mall first showed up in the 1950s as well, that this is going to kill the small business. Now we're wondering what killed the mall. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but there you have to think, you know, there's that um, you order something on the Internet, but there's you're eliminating the uh, the social interaction that you get with people. 
Something as simple as like the self-checkout. You know, what you don't get is looking at another person and saying, thank you, have a good day. You know, the machine never asks you that. It just asks you for more money. So, you know, there's something that's a, a level of human connection that I think is being removed from the world too as we stay cloistered inside our homes instead of, you know, venturing out to, to the malls. I, I think it's a really, really well uh, put uh, piece there. And Jay, I, I really yeah. appreciate you coming on tonight under short notice to do a little time with me. It, it, first of all, if there's anything else on this topic, because I know you've done it in the past, that you would like to leave us with, go right ahead. And if not, one way or another, let everybody know uh, what's going on with Jay Myers documentaries. If there's anything new coming out, I have your Rumble link that has been included in the episode description so people can go watch your wonderful, wonderful collection of work. Um, but go ahead. If you have any uh, any last thoughts or, or anecdotes you want to attach to this subject, uh, go right ahead. Yeah, all right. Uh, thank you for that opportunity. Um, yeah, malls are great. Um, it's a good place to get social interaction and, you know, kill a little time and stuff like that. But there's a dark side to them as well. Um, it's also, it's one of the first places that teens can hang out and supervise, but there's predators that play on, that prey on that. And, um, that's one of the top places where people, teens are groomed for sex traffickers, actually. Uh, Stacy Freeman, founder of Epic Girl which is a charity that works with at-risk youth. She's quoted as saying, the girls that I work with say the number one place where people are approached, where people approach them is the mall. Their strategy is to build up a relationship. So obviously they'll show up in places where kids are likely to be and might be unsupervised. So they're approached, they're told they're beautiful or whatever. I, would you like to be in a music video? Uh would you like to be in a commercial? You see what I mean? Yep. And they learn sometimes they show up to these places. It's just like a like an empty warehouse. And who knows what kind of situation that they're getting into. Uh, and this is not without precedent. You can just look up abducted from malls. But six-year-old Adam Walsh, John Walsh, do you know who he is? No. Not, he's, not yeah. um he's the he was the host of America's Most Wanted. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. His kid, his son was abducted. So that's why he's dedicated his life to that. His son, Adam Walsh, six years old, was abducted from Hollywood Mall in Hollywood, Florida, um, while his mother was shopping at Sears. Uh, they found his severed head a little bit later. Jeez. And yeah, a serial killer actually confessed to doing it, Otis O'Toole. But that guy is one of the serial killers. There's serial killers that they, the police would just tag all these murders on. And that was a way of clearing their books of unsolved murders. Have you heard about this? No. So, so, okay. so there are people. There are people yes, who just. O'Toole was one of them. And he had a partner. And they were serial killers. And the police basically just said to him, I can. I wasn't fully prepared to talk about this tonight, but um, I can give you more detail later if we want to talk about this. But yeah, definitely. Later. Basically said to them, look, just confess to all these murders. We'll give you the lap of luxury. You're already going to be in prison for life. But we'll give you, you steak dinners. What do you want? Regular clothes? I'm not making any of this up. They gave them all the stuff in exchange for confessing to murders from all over the country, states they hadn't even been in. And they would confess to them just to clear the books of unsolved homicides. Wow. And, and, and one and, of these is named Otis O'Toole. He had a partner whose name I forgot. 
And they were serial killers. This is true. But they nabbed them on the serial killings. And then they said, okay, confess to all these other killings. Are all the it's other not going to do you any harm. I'm now, sorry. How much, are, how much of the other killings do you know of were, the, the, were all originated from the mall? Were they all mall-related uh, abductions and killings? No. They were okay. not all. But they. Because um, that would be big. They were not. Yeah, that would be weird. They were not. Um, but, uh, yeah. So. Back to Adam Walsh. It's also it's rumored that actually Jeffrey Dahmer was the person that abducted him and killed him, because Dahmer was in Hollywood, California. I mean Hollywood, Florida at that time. And Otis O'Toole just confessed to it because he was on this confession tour. He literally go. It was like going on a on a nationwide tour and confessing. Um. There's a book about this. Uh, I forgot who the author is. I can send it to you, but it's it's really fascinating. I would like to hear about that because just just that as a tool for police to clear the ledger of you know things that that actually deserve a little bit of work. That is a that's an interesting thing to dive into, and I'd love to hear what people have done to cover the subject. But um, Jay, th- thank you for adding a little bit of a creepy. Uh, aspect of our of our uh, program tonight, and I can't wait to have you on for a full segment. We have to pick a subject again, but uh, let everybody know. Uh, I, well, like I said before, the the link is in the description. But let everybody know uh, where what is coming next for you. Yeah, I always got to make it a little creepy, right? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, listen, I'm on uh, I'm on X J Myers documentaries. I'm on BitChute. I'm on Rumble. Got banned from YouTube. Uh, I'm on Patreon. Check me out on all those places. Uh, working on a new video right now. Going to start doing some reports on things, smaller like format, different format. Um, so excited to be on the show with you tonight. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Jay. And, uh, and all the best to you. Happy New Year. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks. Happy New Year to you too. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Jay Myers, Jay Myers Documentaries. Um, I found this over here, and then we're going to get back to your call. We have calls. We have a whole whole other half hour that we can spend together. Here is an April fourteenth, two thousand seventeen Fox Business video, only a minute and forty eight seconds long, about the rise of zombie mall apocalypse. Let's see if this has anything to do with what we were just talking about. Said, U.S. retailers falling in the month of March, and it's the second month in a row that they've done so. Actually, the worst two-month stretch we've seen in two years when you put it all together. And speaking of putting it all together, that's what Jeff Locke uh, does for a living. He's at the Lincoln Mall out there in Illinois. Jeff? You know, there may never be, uh, Connell, a zombie apocalypse, but there may be a zombie mall apocalypse. You were looking uh, maybe at one of the last sites you'll see of the Lincoln Mall here in uh, suburban Chicago. This is the town of Madison. Uh, and this is about to be torn down. They just got the permit to tear this down. If you look inside this mall, you see it is one of those that uh, is not long for this world. Uh, you know, one analyst today in light of the retail sales number said America is just grossly overstored. Many more stores than they need, and many of them are in malls like this. We've got some exclusive pictures for you, by the way. Overstored? Inside this mall. A uh, fellow who wrote a book called Autopsy in America uh, uh, took some of these pictures. Uh, this is happening all over the, the country, and I tell you, the, the experts say it's going to get worse. Why? Because it was about 10 years ago, just before the 2008 financial crisis, that a lot of malls did some heavy borrowing. Ten-year notes 
uh, with a balloon payment at the end. And if you do the math, 2007, 2006, 2008, they're starting to come due. Uh, we could see uh, maybe an apocalypse of mall closings. This, one of, the, uh, one of the zombie malls on the list, still here, but for all intents and purposes, dead. Oh. Wow. Yes. So, okay, so then they started all taking out some loans in 2008. But again, where's the foot traffic? You know, people take out loans for a whole number of reasons. The rates are good. You have a new wing yet you want to put on your home, a wing you want to put on your new business. You want to buy a new second location. There's a whole bunch of reasons why a business might go in there and just jump on top of a new loan. But you do so with the... Uh, with the thoughts that you're going to be able to pay the loan back because it's going to expand your business. And obviously that's not the case. Overstored. That's something else, isn't it? Um, now, there, now I'm going to reopen the lines. Let's just do this right now. I'm going to get into the, into the thread to be able to, to, be able to um, revamp all this and put some more life back into the calls that were coming in. But also I want to ask about outlets. You know, there is no mall, like when we went up to the Adirondacks, um, I just, I went, we went to the outlets because there's no like mall. And there's just one place that kind of was like a mall. It was a lot of outlets indoors. That is that a mall? Still very, very sparsely attended. But we all went there one night before dinner. We wanted to look around. I actually bought myself some hot sauce from a hot sauce. Uh, what the hell is it called? Actually, the hot sauce just came in today. Uh, what the hell is it called? I forget. But I went in there and we were all like, oh, it's a hot sauce store. Let's go. And I said, I'm going to pick myself out a hot sauce. And I liked it so much that I actually just reordered it online. <laughs> because what I'm going to do, go to the Adirondacks and buy it again? Anyway. So the outlets seem to be doing decently, depending on where they're, they are, uh, they're placed. A lot of great outlets in places like Myrtle Beach, uh, Bar Harbor, um, the Adirondacks, wherever the hell it is, I feel like the outlets are doing well. They're just outside. It's almost like outdoor malls. So maybe it's just changing a little bit. Uh, ski towns, I don't know. 412, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. I um, managed a 579 shop in, the, in a mall in Pittsburgh that was one of the third biggest malls. Um, but, uh, one of my funniest memories was I hired this girl. She had the best personality ever. She was uh, amazing, but, um, she was a stripper and she didn't know that I realized from her application that she was a stripper. She said in her past employment, she designed costumes and she was the sweetest, funniest girl, but it was hilarious when guys would come in with their wives. And um, the guy would, his eyes would bug out of his head when he would, they would see her and they'd leave and they'd go, oh, I'm going to go next door and shop for a while or whatever. And um, it was just hilarious to see who was on her night job clientele by the expressions when they would come in with their wives. Really? The thing, you could never have a 579 shop in today's world that now, would be considered a now, now, shaming Oh, okay. Okay. So five, seven, nine is a, it's a what, like lingerie. I don't know what it is. So 
I'm sorry. No, it had it had sizes zero to nine. It was a small size shop. It was only for tiny girls who couldn't find stuff everywhere else. You know, gotcha. but in today's world, you that would never fly. Never, ever, ever. They would need to have. But, they yeah. would need to have a a, a a larger woman's section just to be just to say that they aren't uh, exclusive exclusive. Yeah, no, there used to be Lane Bryant across the hall from us. That was for the fat girls. That's right. So, you know. <laughs> you couldn't do that stuff today. Oh, It's just so ridiculous, isn't it? But this is uh, this is interesting here. So you, you manage the shop. You had this one girl come on to ask for a job, a day job. You, you put two and two together that she was an exotic dancer by night. And over the course of her employ, she... Um, you were able to really get a, a nice uh, a nice gauge on on who she was seeing at the strip club at night based on how awkward the interactions were with people walking into the store. Yes, it was hilarious. Also, I worked in commercial real estate after that. And what your last caller was, or your last uh, guest was saying is absolutely true. There were all kind of weird financial arrangements where the the leases, the stores wouldn't have to pay anything for the first um, year or something, and then they would leave. It, it was just, it made no sense. Some of the lending arrangements with malls made no sense to me. Well, you know, but, and, and thank you for the call. This is a great way to kick the, uh, kick the segment back off. I hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you. I love your show. Well, I, I loved your call. I hope you call in again. Um, you know, I was... Uh, I, similar situations like that have been very obvious around here too, where you can actually, after a while, you have to ask yourself, what is the financial benefit of keeping this store boarded up, closed up, and useless, inactive? There's got to be something going on there. Um, Rob, Rob uh, figured the same thing too about a uh, about a spot in uh, northern Westchester where there was a, you know, a Kung Fu school that he went to for years, wondering what, you know, what is there any kind of a financial implication? What's the financials here that there's nothing being done with the school, that no new tenants are coming in? And it's very easy to see that there is a way, if you're, if you're savvy enough, there's a way to profit from just having nothing happen. And if you can profit from just sitting and squatting on the rights to certain properties, and not have to deal with tenants, then why the hell not? But in but in the meantime, aesthetically, and of course, if you are just a a citizen of the town or the village, what are you starting to notice that there is just more and more dead, empty space? There's less and less reason to go downtown. It's unsightly. It's whatever. Now I don't know if that's what's happening in places like Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie, New York is a fucking ghost town. And I brought this up with Larry Sharp years ago when he came on the air. And that was shortly after my brother and I had played our most recent gig near the near the uh, the Chance Theater at uh, either Club Cranel or the or uh, the uh, the hell is it called? I forget. It was right there. Um, now, now the Chance Theater is closing down after generations, 
So the only the only live venue up there, I believe, is an opera house and a and the Mid Hudson Civic Center. But I remember we went to go play there, and as we loaded in our our drums and the and the the, the you know the cabs and all that stuff, we went outside to get some air. And it's in the middle of a it's a dump now. It's in the middle of the the only thing that was open on the street were these tiny little dollar stores and one Chinese place where it was selling food by the scoop. Like, you know, for three dollars, you can scoop however many. It was just like, you know, rice and leftover chicken. It was horrible. I looked around and said, what the fuck happened? Four out of five storefronts were boarded up. There's no way that anybody that lives in Poughkeepsie is working in Poughkeepsie. It's at least very, very low. And I'm asking myself, what the hell is this place? What happened to it? You can just, I mean, obviously there's a lot of factors there, but that you cannot um, discount the fact that there is a way to make money off of just squatting on property and not having anybody in it. And maybe that benefits one person, but it definitely does not do well in the rest of the... You know, if it's just a bad neighborhood, too, then why open up a new business if you're going to have trouble? There's there's also that. There are also, And that ties into societal downturn as well. 914-200-0269. Anners, here's, here's another 80s story for you. This one is not fun like the Mr. Bubble one. Same friend, same deal, walking all over the mall, going in random stores. We noticed some man, an adult man... In hindsight, I guess, late 30, 20s or 30s, we were both 16 at the time. He seemed to be watching us, following everywhere, a farish distance. We were thinking he must be undercover security, and we thought that he might be shoplifting, which we weren't, or he thought that they were shoplifting. Uh, we were then ready to leave. We headed for the doors at the entrance closest to where he we had parked. We were walking pretty fast because we still saw him way back watching us. He closed that distance so friggin' fast I could not believe it, and he roughly grabbed me between my legs. I gave him a way I gave him a way too delicate shove, and he took off. Way too delicate shove, he took off. I could have gone. Uh, it could have gone much worse, but I was still. It was still very creepy. Well, there you go, Jay Myers. There you go. As far as uh, hunting goes, there you have it. We got the calls coming in now. Stephen B. says, when we were in the middle of school in the mid to late 1980s, we lived at Hickory Hollow Mall or near at Nickery Hickory, Nickery Hickory, (laughs) Hickory Hollow Mall in Nashville. Sabaro, Frankenstein, uh, Spencer Gifts, Big Hair Chicks, all of it. But the gem was a small store called Oriental Imports. The only store I've ever seen like it. Mom would drop us off for hours. We'd head straight there and load up. Trash metal posters or thrash metal posters. Nice. So that's more like um, what Hot Topic was for us before it went, you know, it, it just started becoming really cringe. Panel patches for your denim jacket. You remember mid-80s thrash was, and it is unrivaled. It was awesomeness metallica megadeth anthrax testament overkill uh slayer etc overkill you know they just played they played an awesome gig um outside of giant stadium at a secondary uh secondary stage that i didn't even know it was there i think it was on the second night of the metallica pantera thing 
And I was like, why the hell you bring this? If Overkill was was an opener, they would have made Metallica look bad. I had to, because they sound incredible. And let's not forget, you can pick up a couple of throwing stars, katanas, nunchucks, because what kid wasn't in need of a few of those? It was Stranger Things on steroids, says Stephen B. That's awesome. Yeah, if we wanted stuff like that, we can go to our, our flea market up until about 10, 12, 15 years ago. We can go to our flea market. You can get all those posters, the patches, all the bootleg CDs or the real thing. You can get your your uh, comic books. You can get the knockoff uh, cologne, the knockoff uh, you know, sunglasses, all electronics, toys for kids. It could be cheap. It could be good. It could be jewelry. It was great. It was wonderful. Really nice. Okay, let's take a, uh, a call. 818, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, Frank, how you doing? I'm doing well. Go ahead. So, okay. Well, uh, I just posted this in your forum, but back in the 80s, I used to work in a pizza place in my local mall, and we used to get up to all sorts of things, but there was also a, a culture of people that worked at the mall. We used to trade, like, I, we used to trade pizza for cookies and stuff like that, so... There was a whole like economy between the people that worked there as well. So that's interesting. That's yeah, interesting. To, yeah. All the people that worked at the food places used to trade. All like if we had people that didn't pick up pizza, we would trade it for cookies from Mrs. Fields or somewhere else. So. So, so you would be able, so essentially, essentially when you get down, you know, cause to the people who are just showing up to do their shopping or to do, to do their carousing, we're the outsiders, but, but on the inside in your, you want to talk about the mall as its own little organized or, uh, its own little isolated, um, I don't know, microcosm of a greater world outside the department stores were nations. They were nations. And this was, uh, you know, I get. I guess that all of the, the the pathways and the walks and the escalators, all that stuff, that was international waters. And what you guys had, what you're describing right here, is these diplomatic ties that were that were <laughs> that were established yeah. between you know the Cinnabon stand and Annie's pretzels or something like that. You send over a couple of pretzels, they're going to send you over a couple of Cinnabons. That's really amazing. Was there any other really cool relationships or things that that were drawn up between different department stores over there that did not include bartering um uh, merchandise was there anything else that you guys did together oh oh yeah we uh we used to play pranks on each other all the time uh the mall security were were dicks they were they were i think that's a requirement for being a mall security guy right uh they didn't like us, but I posted in the forum or uh, when we would just be hanging out and not working and it was slow, there was these two escalators going up and down and we would stagger and stand backwards on the escalator and we were the only one on the escalator. So people would look at us and know something's wrong, but couldn't quite figure it out. And so people would that got on the escalator wouldn't like us staring at them. So they would stand backwards with us. But then there's these people that used to try to get on the wrong escalator and complain security 
and the security said this is an unsafe way to ride. They had to put up signs saying, please face forward while riding on the escalator. No. Because they said it was dangerous. And, so. and it's mostly because the employees. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was uh, <laughs> just, yeah, just us. But, um, well, I yeah, appreciate we, that. Yeah, we used to give breaks to like people in the department stores. And well, what 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 year? What years? What years were these? I worked there from uh, seventeen to nineteen, so from eighty-seven to eighty-nine. Eighty-seven to eighty-nine. Those sounds like those sound like really really fun fun times. And uh, otherwise, it uh, yeah. No, I appreciate this. Thank you for the call. Yeah. Oh, thank you. All right, man. There you go. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Now, I just went to go see on Rumble to see if there's any Rumble rants. And, of course, there is no there, there, there's no chat that ever loaded. There, the chat is a blank screen, nobody there. So this will probably be the second night in a row where people are like, uh, let me see if there's a way to, uh, I don't know. I'm looking all over the place to see if there's a secondary place where Rumble rants are stored because I don't want to miss people, but the last two nights, Rumble's been acting very weird this last week. It might just be me because everything else is falling falling apart. Um, but uh, so I went to go look at the Rumble rants there. Can't find anything. Super Chats, quite uh, Car Guys New England on quite frankly, superchat.com said empty retail space is a tax write-off. So there you go. The, I mean, that if you own a mall, that is nothing but a gigantic collection of empty retail space. You can see where all of that, uh, the tens of millions comes from. Stostube, thank you. Car Guys again says, I miss the days of Dream Machine Arcade, Walden's Books, Debbie's Petland, uh, seeing baby alligators for sale and banging food. Banging food at the food court? I guess that means eating food. Banging food at the oh oh is that an adjective? Banging food like it, it was bangerang. Okay, I thought you were actually banging the food. Oh man, I banged a, a cheeseburger last night. Thing didn't have a chance. That would have been weird. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> and, and alligators for sale and food at the food court of Pheasant Lane Mall in Nashua, New Hampshire. That mall is still very busy to this day, though. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Does it feel just as authentically cozy, or is there... Did you ever main, was everybody able to maintain their, I don't know, the local Nashua culture up there? Jay Britt says, TGIF, thank you, my friend. Amy just says, hi, Frank. I think young people and their parents are way too busy with extracurricular activities to spend time at the mall. It's too bad because it was so much fun. I could be found at Paramus Park Mall many Saturdays in the 70s and 80s, and I loved it. Amy, guys, listen. If you're watching this live right now, it means that you're watching it on quitefrankly.tv on pill.net, powered by Foxhole. Whatever you do, don't leave. It's Friday night. If you have nowhere else to go and you're just going to be, you know, chilling out at home, you're folding your clothes, you're getting ready for a nice relaxing weekend. If you have a little bit of time, I'm telling you, you have to at least watch this mall documentary. It'll be on within the first 10, 15 minutes of the after hour starting. And then there's going to be another dead mall thing. And then there is a, a coast to coast episode about simple living. 
like off the grid living, you know, all that kind of stuff that comes up. It's a short amount of stuff tonight, but it's just a little something to do together. You're really going to love it, especially if this was your life in the 80s and the 90s. Sociologically, because we're talking about society in many of these exchanges here tonight, you've just got to observe people, especially the young people. Because, you know, young people are, it is a mandate by nature that they've got to be rebellious and goofy and whatever. But still, these what you're, what you're going to see out of teenagers in this is still, even though, you know, they're ready to show the world that they don't need to hear anything, they're still so conscientious. Even in their goofiness, they're conscientious. It's crazy. It really is. So you got to take a look at this. I promise you, you're going to have a fun time just observing. Um, let's get to some super chats on the pilled end of things. Sean Joe, then we have more calls. Sean Joe, C. Blanche, NJSF, Amethyst Cat, Stostu with a whole sleeve of cookies again. Stacks, send some shades. Thank you, Stacks. Donasar, Sean Joe again. Neo, hello, Neo. J. Sim, eyes wide open. Eight says, Frank, you've got to have a show with Ed. Oh, yes. I, I yes. Ed was fantastic call. The flea market at Yonkers Raceway? No, no, no. Not Yonkers. The Sentinel says, Jay reminded me of how Unsolved Mysteries began. The Walsh family tragedy led John to make it a life. Uh, a life. Uh, to put these mysteries out there to help families get closure. Good show. Yeah, uh, he, uh, yeah, I, I remember him from that. And then the last time I saw him was... He's the one that goes after he he's he's made kind of a fool of himself on Twitter though with all the Trump stuff and the TDS. I don't I mean I don't care if he doesn't support Trump, but he's like one of those TDS guys, right? That's what I I've seen. At least that's what I think he became. Uh, the Sentinel said my favorite mall memory stunt: spot a group of girls and yell, "Hey, Cindy!" And you'll see scores of females. Turn their head, spot the one you want, and talk to and approach her. Good times. Oh, well, they're all going to be Cindy? At least a couple of them, I guess. I want to date a Cindy today, so I'm just going to scream until somebody looks at me. You know, just yelling a name is going to make people turn around. You know that? It, it will. It's loudly like that, even the, because then people are going to want to see who the hell the Cindy is. They're going to look where the voice came from, so you're going to get a whole bunch of false looks. Tennessee girl says, I was approached in the mall as a teen, a guy offering model modeling. My perv radar went off and I took off fast. Mm. See, we dipped a little bit into the creepy pool tonight with Jay Myers, and we've already had a couple of submissions that have rang true with that. Quite Steveley says, I remember going to the Ohio Bell store to rent my first bedroom telephone. Rent your first bedroom telephone. When I was a kid in the early 80s. What do you mean rent a telephone? Quite Steve is going to have to write in to me about that one because we're about to get off in a little bit and I want to know what the hell you mean. I just don't understand. Okay, let's take a let's take another call. 912, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank. Um I think one thing that people haven't been taking into account is the uh, with the mall closures is the the video the home video games. Um, 
you know, we used to go to the mall to play in the arcade mm. um, quite a bit. And uh, right around the time when Atari came out, ColecoVision and all that, uh, it just seemed to kind of somewhat die down from the crowd that I hung around. And this was, you know, um, this was in the 80s, so I, I right can, around that time frame. Well, I, I can definitely see that uh, cutting into a certain demographic, no doubt about it. But the other thing is there, too, is especially in the 80s and the 90s, we're still you're still a decade or so away. Well, no, from the 80s, you're several decades away from connectivity, you know, as far as being able to play multiplayer uh, games with people across the world or even even multiplayer games uh, with people in the same room. I mean, that that would start that would start in the the late 80s with um, with Nintendo, but really take off with all the 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 90s uh, games that were coming out there. I I, I don't know. I, I, I. I don't know. I mean, Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, those games, they were all available, you know, pretty early. I'm not saying that's the reason for the decline, but. Oh, it contributes. It contributes. Factor, I would think. Yeah, it contributes. It probably in a smaller, in a smaller way that was not really felt too much at first, just because like I said before, this is before people have cell phones. This is, this is before the need to, um, to to be in a physical locality to socialize was really knocked out. Socializing has completely changed. Even when people get together, they're still looking at their phones, as you as you may know. So it's oh, like uh, the art of people watching. I, I'm sure people still do it because it's fascinating. But um, it's uh, it, it, I don't know how many people out of mall actually people watch. They're too much of their attention is taken up. True. This is true. Anyway, well, it's great to hear from you. All right, thanks for the call. Have a great, have a great weekend. If we don't talk, and um, and yeah, here's one from Vesper. It says being a teen in the 1970s in Madison, Wisconsin, was a blast. We loved our record stores. You either went to the State Street or you went to the malls to record store to record stores with names like Musicland, Record Town, and Galaxy of Sound. In 1979, Alice Cooper came to Westgate Mall to promote the grand opening of the record store 1812 Overture. He was christened Alice in Dairyland by the reigning Alice in Dairyland. Um, He milked a cow and gave a serious speech about his fight with alcoholism. He sang a song. He had no stage makeup on and was strikingly handsome. Best damn trip to a mall I ever had. Wow. That's great. Alice in Dairyland. So he was christened that by a reigning. So who was the Alice in Dairyland prior to Alice Cooper? If they were a reigning Alice in Dairyland, that sounds like a title. So he milked a cow, gave a serious speech about his fight with alcoholism, sang a song with no makeup on. He was strikingly handsome. That does sound like a memorable day at the mall. Thank you for that, Vesper. Aunt Ball says, growing up in the 70s, mom would drive us to the mall too much. Mainly, we would go to Sears and Kmart, school shopping. I do have fond memories of going Christmas, uh, doing Christmas plays for school there at the mall. Here you go. Crude IT guys says, I can remember going to Sears and Montgomery Wards in the mall in Houston and browsing the guns as a child. Funny story at the mall. I was in junior high in the very early 1980s. My sister had driven me to the mall to get some clothes. 
We both got out of the car and started walking to the Sears entrance of the same mall. As I was walking, I spotted a beautiful girl by the entrance and my eyes were locked on her as I walked from my walk from about 100 feet away from the entrance. I was staring for over 10 seconds as I walked forward while walking, looking over my shoulder and then ping, my entire body was wrapped around the last light pole before the entrance. My sister nearly fell over laughing and the girl noticed me, maybe not how I wanted to though. Imagine this, but I was 12 or 13 years old. Here, this is that, look, walking, walking, walking. Boom. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Crude IT guy. Okay, here's one. I got to read another one because we're we're uh, just about out of time. We took a lot of great calls, and I want to make sure that I have um, I have a little bit more here. Uh, Brown Tail, I think this is one of our friends who is actually a pilot, commercial pilot. Says, ah, oh, Frank, Franklies, Franciscans, Frankenstein's, and Franklinsteins, or Frankenstein's, and Matt. Let's take a trip in the magic time, magic machine, forty years. We're talking about the early 80s. The United States was just finished Jimmy Carter's malaise and high inflation. Our hostages from Iran got released, and Ronald Reagan had just had a few years in office, and the economy is starting to take off. Alf was on TV, or you could admire the cutoff gene of Barbara Bach in her Daisy Dukes on Dukes of Hazard. If you didn't uh, get enough of the high school and social awkwardness during the weekday, as a young teen, you could always go to the mall. Our mall was a hurricane eye of teenage societal hangout ours was atypical complete with a food court there was a cool burger place i can't remember the name of but i remember that they had red phones and the tables where you call your order in while you were sitting red lion he said so you can sit at these tables and use red phones to call in the order we also had a Farrell's ice cream parlor, which had killer-sized ice cream sundaes, a decent burger, and if it was your birthday, you would get a serious or a serenade at the table complete with bass drum, cymbal, and air horn of some type, three to four chipper staff providing the vocals. Chipper staff, wow. They don't hate their lives? Well, maybe they did deep inside, but they put that all aside because they had pride. We all had, <laughs> We all had a... Two-screen movie theater. In this cultural peak of the 80s, you might have caught the movies like Heavy Metal, Back to the Future, um, or Rocky Horror Picture Show. You always knew what holiday was around the corner because there was either Santa, the Easter Bunny, Fourth of July themes within the complex. You could still buy LP records and perhaps a cassette tape of Van Halen. Yes, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was a documentary. My absolute favorite place was Aladdin's Castle, the Arcade. 25 cents would buy you a few minutes of entertainment on the early classic coin operating machines. I can remember feeding Zaxxon, Pac-Man, Centipede, Tron, and the best Nintendo track and field. The air was electric and it was always about 10 degrees warmer in there due to all of the CRT screens. Absolute pandemonium though as you walked in front of the various electronic consoles beckoned for your allowance money. It was a magical time in cultural America, a time before ESPN and MTV became common household themes, a time when computing power was a Commodore v, uh, Commodore VIC 20, and you were saving your basic uh, and you saved uh, and were saved your basic program on a cassette tape. Cell phones weren't a thing. 
It was a time of innocence and chicks with shutter, shoulder pads and business jackets. It was an age of innocence. Cheers, brown tail. Oh, and that is, uh, that's a lot of great stuff there. Snark Dragons talking about Radio Shack. Spent too much money there on coaxial plugs for Commodore computers, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, there's so much more that has come in now. Thank you for uh, Elmo Smiles and uh, Leanna uh, Hay NY. Uh, Ruben, there's too much for me to read off tonight. There is way too much, but you got you, you to gotta go check it out for yourself. It's on quitefrankly.tv, the forum. It's at the top. I'll leave it there for a couple more days so you guys have time to talk to each other. Memories from the mall. What? A great show this was. What a great show this was. Truly. All right, well, I still have more lined up for you after the show, and I hope that you're around for it because I think it'll be nice. And just remember, just to give your, uh, once I sign off and I sign back on, just re reload the uh, the page a little bit so you see it going in. Yeah, give me about five minutes and I'll get that ready. All right, uh, let's take it... Um, that's it. Let's go to the other the other side of tomorrow. Hold on. Okay, wait. Just a couple more. Uh, what's going on, Justin? You there? Oh, that's so great. I love the the perfect timing. I I have to come clean about a mall story that I, maybe I've just been harboring some guilt about since I was like nineteen. I I worked. I had the lowliest of the lowest job at the mall when I was eighteen. 18, 19 years old, I worked at a cell phone kiosk. Oh. And you just had to like, oh, we were, we were just looked at, within the mall ecosystem, we were the bottom end. No, dude, I'm telling you, if you work at a kiosk in a mall, you are you are essentially the mall gypsies. But the cell phone piece, even more so, because we were just kind of sleazy, slimy salespeople. Kind of. I mean, my my boss had a an ankle an ankle. He like lived in a halfway house, and he was. You should have seen some of the people that came up to the booth to like probably do drug deals, really subtly, kind of or not. But uh, this is my scenario because I was working there for the summer, and the the position of the kiosk was such that I had a straight like where I was stationed. I had a straight view into the United Colors of Benetton store dressing room. Oh. They like had the it was just wasn't sealed all the way and it was just every day I worked there it was just hours of watching women get like try clothes on and I didn't have the courage to go in and tell them and like I had ha I would have had to out myself <laughs> be like hey I I just it was it was one of those things, right? I think maybe I've just felt a little bit, a little guilty about it this whole time. Okay, so you're coming, you're 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 taking tonight to come clean to say I feel guilty. I was I was working at a mall kiosk. How old were you? Forgive me, Frank, for I have sinned. Uh, Nineteen, so you know, old okay. enough to know. Old enough to My know. Moral compass was like, uh, you know, I wasn't like thirteen or fourteen. Um, <laughs> wasn't the first boobies I'd ever seen, but yeah. they were boobies I saw. And I was like, well, there could be worse places to be. Listen, you know what? Oh. If you're, you're a 19, 19 year old, 19 year old boy, 
nine-year-old young man that's got himself a kiosk job at a mall, and you realize that uh, at certain times of the day, if you merely look up from your seat, you might be able to spy a pair of boobs. I don't know very many people who are going to give that secret away. Uh, I mean, it's not like you had to go put a webcam inside of the dressing room. You're sitting, you're, you're sitting where you're supposed to be sitting. What? I I don't know if I. I'm just doing my job. Maybe it was just part of the commission structure. At 19, it was part of the compensation, probably. At 19, I don't know if I would tell anybody either. <laughs> I don't know if I tell anybody. These are golden days, golden mm-hmm. days at the mall. I mean, all the way, the whole 90s, late 80s, all the way through the 90s. That was. You know, you know, it's I'm true. Glad, I'm really glad you had this topic tonight. I loved I, it. I'm glad. Now, now, now your conscience is clean. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you, Frank. That's all of y'all. And have a great weekend. Take care. There you go. Uh, somebody in the chat room who was at Lightbulb just said the new title for the show should be Mall Confessions. It should be. Memories from the mall, Mall Confessions. All right, we'll just do one more. 504, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, hon, it's Kelly. Hey, Kelly. A couple of quick tips. Go ahead. Interesting things that happened to me in the mall. Give me your best in one. The late, late 70s. Um, I started as an early teen and had a lot of loss of blood uh, with female issues. Oh. And I was shopping with some friends in a female clothing store called Miller Wool. And all of a sudden I felt hot and I wanted to get out of the store and I ran to the mall opening and I ran into a clothes rack and fainted. Wow. I had to get my grandma to come get me from the mall because I'd passed out. So you're in, you're, you're in. I was anemic. Okay. From losing a lot of blood for, you know, first time period stuff. Okay, so but but still, you're you're in the the clothes rack. You're at the you're passed out inside the clothes rack, and you're bleeding all over the place. So did anybody no, find? No, I wasn't bleeding at the time. Oh, okay. Um, but okay. from losing a lot of blood with female issues. Got you. I that understand made me that. anemic. Yeah. And I guess it caused me to faint. Is all they could figure out. Okay, I, I thought what you were saying is that you were losing a lot of blood that day. No, no, no. And and it was because because no, no, no. it's. Because if I if I, oh, yeah. God, I was trying to get the story out quick. Well, you got it, you got it. There you have it. A, a, a mall rescue. Well, thank you for that, Kelly. Yeah. All right, dear. Have a great Bye. night. Can you imagine that? Can you can you imagine that working at a uh, I don't know at a JC Penney or something like that? And there's a a, a young girl in a, a a rack of clothes at the bottom, just passed out. She you know bleeding. It was after the fact. Anywho, so there you have it. Well, that's all I have for you, I think. I'm pretty sure that's all I have. I saw one more call coming in. I was going to make time for it, but uh, it's just it, it keeps bouncing away. So that's that. Okay, here's here it is one more time. Last one of the night. 541, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, thank goodness, man! It's your brother Zoe. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Oh, so what, uh, dude? I, I mean, we couldn't end on that last call. I had to call in. And Mrs. Zoe and I have been sitting here just rolling at the stories. 
I have a great mall story. Uh, and we got a thousand mall stories, but my favorite of all time was one Christmas. I was probably 18, 19. Uh, the malls are insane. In the late 70s, 77, 78, the malls were the only place to shop. So the entire parking lot, upstairs, downstairs, is gigantic. The Northridge Pepper Tree Mall in Northridge, California. So I, before I go in to go shopping, I whip out my bong and I get like stoned out of my freaking mind. And I go in and I manage to do a fair amount of shopping and I, I'm clutching all these packages and I'm on my way out and I have not a clue where the hell I parked my car. And I was wandering around the parking lot of the mall. This is, it took up an entire, like a, you know, half mile by half mile. I mean, the biggest mall ever. And uh, while I'm wandering around, who do I run into but my best friend's dad? And I mean, my eyes are glazed over. I'm looking half Chinese and, and he, why, Al, what are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> Mr. Scott, I'm, I'm looking for my car. It took me 45 minutes to find my car. It was insane. Were you, were, were you able to, greatest time ever. <laughs> were, were you able to uh, pass with him or did he know what was up? Oh, he, the jig was up, man. He okay. knew there was definitely something wrong with me. <laughs> Freaking fried. <laughs> well, listen, I knew that that's that's fantastic. You know, I wish I can go back in time and hang out with a mall in a mall with all you guys and gals, and uh, that that would that's what's getting me. And I'm in the mood for tonight right now, just to jump into the time machine and we all just go hit up a Johnny Rockets or something for a little while. But Dude, um, that was our social outlet. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have any. Of the, that's where you met chicks. That's where you hung out. The mall was it, man. In fact, Mrs. Zoe just told me her very first job was at a brand new mall in uh, Ventura. It was the the Galleria. You probably heard it in the Frank Zappa thing. That was her very first job at sixteen. Those were those were the days, man. Those were the days. So so before we go, then aside from the internet, do do, do you what was the primary culprit for the mall just not being a big part of people's lives? I, boy, I mean, it's hard to the attraction there was. I mean, everything was there. There was a music store there, and uh, one of my buddies was a was taking lessons from from the musician teacher there and uh, we would go down and just jam and there would be throngs of people hanging outside the music store because we were just tearing it up, man. It was, uh, dude, those are days I fondly remember, fondly remember malls used to be a, a major American happening. And uh, I feel sorry for kids today. They don't have a place to hang out in person. You yeah. know, it's, it's a shame. Malls are closing all over America. Well, thank you for helping me close out the show, Zoe, and I'll talk to you soon. Perfect, buddy. Take Have care. a great one. There you go, Mr. and Mrs. Zoso. Well, guys and gals, it's been a good one, and thank you again for everything. Let me make sure that I did not miss any of the Super Chats that came in. Again, go on the forum and hang out with people and do your thing. I think it'd be uh, very, very nice to get you guys and gals to talk to each other there. Thank you again to Music Man 75 says, Amazon just uh, delivered the new Plus CD. Oh, really? I got to get my cousin Ashley on the show. I got to meet her first. 
We never met. Let's see here. The Sentinel says, before President Reagan broke up Ma Bell, uh, everyone rented their telephone. Ma Bell? What the hell's Ma Bell? See, I don't know this. It's before, just before my time. I was born in 85. They rented their telephone? Like an MS license? Really? Every telephone that was in a person's house had to be rented? That's incredible. I never knew this. It never came up. Wow. Okay. Well, learn something every day. Thank you guys for the lesson. And I can't wait for Monday. We'll have a, a good time. We have we have guests on every night of the week next week. And, uh, and there's a lot to be done. So I'll see you then. And for those of you who are monthly sponsors, I'll see you on Sunday. And you don't know. Maybe I'll drop in on you sometime before then as well. But uh, in the meantime, I'll be working hard to try to establish some some uh, normalcy here. And now I'm going to put on some after-hours programming for you. Give me about five to seven minutes, and it'll be up. I think you'll really enjoy what I have going on, and, uh, and that's that. Good night. Take care. Be well. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, Jay Brits, Car Guys New England, Stostube, and Amy, to our wonderful cavalry of gold pillars, and to everybody on Rumble, uh, if you did say anything, I love you, and I'm sorry I missed it, but there's something weird going on over there. Until Monday, have a good one. <laughs>